It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.07 on a Saturday morning and 51 degrees. Much, 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 much different from the Saturday morning we greeted last week where Ashley and I were here at 5 a.m. because of the ice and the snow and Ashley didn't get to go down her driveway for three days because it's full of ice and I went home to find trees down on my deck and, well, we had a quite a different time the last couple of days. Oh boy, it's warm outside. If you haven't been outside right this morning, 51 degrees feels really, really nice. Got a little jacket on, t-shirt, that's about it. And there's plenty to be done in the garden. And plenty of questions that should be asked at this time of year. And if you don't ask them, I'll talk about them. But you're the better pilot of the show. And all you have to do is give me a call, 404-872-0750. Give me a call, ask me anything. About your grass, your shrubs, your trees, your pruning, your, let's say, crepe myrtles, your litten rose, your, what else can we talk about this week? What you might be doing about lawns. I meant to last week say something about frozen lawns and the damage that can be done by walking across them. And I just forgot to post it on Facebook, forgot to mention it during the show. But that's one thing to remember when we have cold weather that you don't want to walk and do a lot of messing around on the lawn. I know it's lots of fun to walk around and throw snowballs and things like that, and kids are going to do it. It's hard to keep them from not doing it. But if you can minimize it, minimize it. Do the best you can to minimize the amount of walking done on frozen grass because it breaks it off. Anything that's down low to the ground that's frozen, stiff, you know, icy, it'll break it off, and that just makes uh, an entry for diseases and a little bit harder recovery, and it's going to be hard enough to recover from the drought that we had this past year. So any uh, leaving the lot alone would be just fine by me. One of the things that I'm thinking about right now, of course, is pruning crepe myrtles, and there's been a little discussion about this on Facebook of people asking when is the right time to do it, what is the right time, where is the right thing to do, uh, calling it crepe murder, you know people do that too. And uh, one one post was pretty pretty pungent to the point and said, look, a crepe myrtle is a tree. If you don't want a tree where it's supposed to, where it's being planted right now, then you need to take it out and put a shrub in there, put something that's not as tree-like as a crepe myrtle will be. That's not exactly true, because there are some crepe myrtles that are much, much more shrub-like. They're multiple limbs and stay pretty compact, and there are <clears throat> actually some varieties that are dwarf-type crepe myrtles that only get three or four feet high. So it's not always true that crepe myrtles are trees, but many of the older crepe myrtles that have been put in landscapes for the past 30, 40, 50 years maybe are tree-form crepe myrtles, and it doesn't take a whole lot for a crepe myrtle to become bigger than the place you want it to be. And then, of course, the thing you think about is, well, i gotta, I got to prune it, look around and see if anybody else prunes their crepe myrtle. And, of course, you see some of the landscape companies for whom time is money, and that is one of the only reasons that you see some murdered crepe myrtles around the Atlanta landscape is because landscape crews know that if they can get it done, get it done quickly, and get the crew back to another location, to another set of crepe myrtles, then that's the great way to do it to save money and make money for the company. And so they chainsaw and pull everything onto the truck and away they go. And that doesn't really do a lot of good for the crepe myrtle. They're going to bloom 
but they're going to look ugly for another two months. And I hate that ugly time of crepe myrtles after they've been whacked off and knobbed off and look really ugly. So if it's possible to prune a crepe myrtle with a little bit of thought, it's easy to think. All you have to do is look at your hand. <laughs> look at your hand, and anything that is smaller than your thumb, take it off. And if you do that, you'll have a very well-formed crepe myrtle. It'll look nice. Maybe if there's any sprouts around the bottom, you can take those off, too. Any dead limbs, take those off. That makes sense. But take anything, any live limbs that are smaller than your thumb. If they're smaller than your thumb, they can come off. You'll have a nice-looking tree. It'll be pretty open. You can see through it. And uh, maybe it won't be the, quite the block that you have in the landscape that you're, that you're worried about. If you have questions, more questions about pruning crepe myrtles, fertilizing crepe myrtles, fertilizing lawns, weed control in lawns, yeah, that's a big one right now because chickweed. I saw just a big, big, big patch of chickweed in my lawn thinking, did I put the pre-emergent out? I don't believe I did this year because I was always thinking, well, it's going to rain. In September, I was thinking, it's going to rain in a few weeks. I'll wait for the rain, put my pre-emergent out then just before the rain like I always do. It didn't rain. It didn't rain in September. It didn't rain in October. You know, it didn't rain until, what, close to mid-November, and then there was just sort of a short opportunity to get the pre-emergent out, and I never did then. And so this year, my job is going to be fight the chickweed, fight some of the other weeds that would normally be controlled by by uh, the pre-emergence. So if you have questions about weed control, you can ask me about that too. 404-872-0750. First in line comes our friend Nicole from Griffin, Georgia, to talk about squirrels. Squirrels? Is that right, Nicole? Squirrels? Mr. So what's wrong with a squirrel? You got those pretty little squirrels around your house. <laughs> I know you. All of them are at your house. Yeah. Because I don't have one here. <laughs> Mr. Reeves, there's like three or four big nests on top. Usually you can go up and down, up and down. Yeah. Not one this year. And I put some uh, pecan because I eat a lot of pecans. Yeah. And I put the shell because there's always a little bit of meat. And they go through all of it. There's nothing left, you know. Sure. They have been there for two months. Nothing. No squirrel came and get the meat. Sometimes it's cold. Counting your blessings is a really, really good thing to do. And you and I know that if there's any environment that is at all conducive to a squirrel, some squirrel somewhere is going to say, look over there in Nicole's backyard. Have we forgotten that she keeps those pecan nuts back in the back? We should go over there right now and make all our nests in the trees and look in her attic. Let's go climb up in her attic and run around through there and keep her up at night. Maybe no, I took care of the attic. We should get into our bird feeders and feed, get all those seeds out of our bird feeder. This is going to be fun. Oh, boy. And they'll all be back in your landscape. And then you'll call me and say, you know those squirrels, those furry tail rats? I hate those things. <laughs> is there natural predator? I don't know what's natural and not natural for a squirrel. I've done all sorts of things to uh, denaturify my backyard. I, you know, Of course, during the summertime, I've told many times about using a live trap and moving them away for a while, and then other squirrels just come in and take their place. So I just continue this little overground railroad to take them away from my house. So there's nothing that's going to come and get them, like a hawk or something? Hawks do a minimal job. Hawks do eat squirrels, and I've heard that hawks would rather not really eat a squirrel because sometimes they're strong enough, the squirrel, to rear up and bite the legs of the hawk, and that can be a pretty damaging thing if a hawk's leg is damaged. So a hawk would rather have something a little less aggressive, like a chipmunk or a bird or something like that. Coyote? 
Coyote, I don't know how many coyotes eat squirrels. Squirrels seem like they stay up in the trees, and I don't see coyotes up in the trees that often. Cat? Maybe a cat here and there got a baby squirrel, but again, cats don't climb way up in trees to the nest where the baby squirrels are most vulnerable. Elephant? Now, you know, we need a good squirrel catching elephant. That is a great idea. <laughs> Get up in that tree and shake those squirrels down. <laughs> oh, yes, that would be a good idea, Mr. Reese. Uh, but I was, just, I was just wondering, because I see big nests, you know, because there's no leaves. Yeah, you see them in the tree. And I didn't know that big of a nest, you know, but uh, I don't know how many squirrel babies they have in the litter. Do you know? Well, no, there's two or three or four, something like that. Not, oh, okay. a, not a huge number, not like uh, rabbits that might have six or eight, not like wild pigs that have five or six or eight at the time, but I think squirrels have two or three or four. All right. Uh, what a week make a difference, isn't it? Well, one week makes a heck of a difference. Last week, we're all worried about ice on the trees and ice on the streets and snow in the North Georgia Mountains and Cobb County and Woodstock, and poor Ashley wasn't able to go home up her driveway for a couple of days, and oh, it was a miserable thing. Then it warmed up on, what, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday, and then Friday, and I was outside yesterday in my T-shirt digging bulbs up and just feeling just comfortable as I could. Same here in pajama yeah. this morning. <laughs> good grief. <laughs> good grief. Good grief. What are we going to do with the weather if you just... A roller coaster, yeah, Mr. That's what we, yeah, but they, you know, that is part of the reason I live in Georgia, I think, and not in Los Angeles or Hawaii or someplace that is always the same. I would get so bored if the weather was always the same. And I don't mean hurricanes <laughs> that would change things, but I like the fact that we do have a spring and a summer and a fall. Some people in the way up north, up in Canada, might say we really don't have true spring and weather and fall because, you know, your weather was a good bit more severe than ours, but... Yeah, I was talking to a lady in India. This time of day is really hot, and yeah. she said they have a, a period of rain, am I rain, day after day for two, three months. And wow. I said, good grief. Wow. <gasps> I wouldn't oh. like that. I don't oh, think no. I would like that at all. They've had it similar to that in California. They've been just flooding, 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 and opening dams and things in California. So it's good that California finally has rain. It's not in drought anymore. I'm glad for that. And uh, I don't think that they have yet lifted the drought. Uh, uh, rules here in Georgia. I do not think that they've lifted the drought rules, so you're still supposed to water every other day and things like that. But what's the water right now? Nobody cares right now when it's uh, in the in the winter time. Nobody's planting anything. The soil is not that soggy. I, I was digging too for putting balls, yeah. and it's kind of dry. It was soft enough in my house that we got a lot of things dug yesterday. Me and the kids that were <clears throat> helping me went around and dug hellebores and dug some bulbs and dug some other things, and so. It was soft enough. It wasn't as like it was in the middle of the summer when it was just hard as concrete. It was not. What you did with the elbow? Oh, the elbow, we're going to move them to the cemetery plot in Oakland Cemetery on MLK all Day right. Monday. That's yeah. how, how I decorate my cemetery plot there. And I dug up all these plants, and it just feels like a, a gift from God to have all these extra plants that have spread over the years so I can dig up five or 10 or 15 and never miss them at my house and move them to someplace where I want them. And then you call her? And the new what? Any new colors? No, these are all just mixed up colors of lavender and white and red. They're just on the edge of the bed. I'm sure they don't have any, any color to think of that'll be more remarkable there. They might come up with blue ones. We'll it? see. I'll let you know whether that happens or not. Well, Mickey, I got to get out uh, Mickey. Emil and Nicole, I got to get out of here. It is wonderful to talk to you. I hope the squirrels stay away from your house. 
Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day. We'll see you soon. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. You heard it a minute ago. High today, 72 degrees. Right now it's 50.6 degrees. It's going to be a low around this tonight. 50 degrees tonight. Or the same Sunday, high of 70 and low of 51 degrees. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. We've got, uh, let's see, Aaron, who joins us from Decatur. Hey, Aaron, good morning. 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 What's up? I'm trying to find something for 15 and 17-year-old daughters yeah. to do. They're homeschoolers, yeah. and I was hoping to be able to add something in the curriculum to either the Georgia Extension Agency or 4-H Club or something mm-hmm. for them. If for, for during the summertime or after school or when? Well, it, it could be like on Friday afternoons every yeah. every day. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, every week. Where do you live, uh, Aaron? I live in Jonesboro, but I'm in Decatur all the time. i got two choices oh. for you. One are places to call at least and ask. One in Jonesboro, or I guess more Morrow than it is Jonesboro. But the uh, Reynolds Nature Park there has classes and activities for teenagers, and it might be interesting to go talk to them. And if they don't have one that seems interesting to the girls, then they will know at Reynolds Park other places around Clayton County that do have things like that. Um, in Decatur, the Wild Center, W-Y-L-D-E, their website is wildcenter.org, and they're right there beside Agnes Scott in downtown Decatur almost. And they have a lot of stuff going on with kids and teenagers, and the girls are old enough probably that they could be you know, mentors if they learn a little bit for a few weeks. could be mentors for the young kids coming in, so that might be fun what, for them to do What that. program do you teach them? Where is that where you, you know, that mentoring program? I think called the Wild Center. Again, it's okay. W-Y-L-D-E, wildcenter.org, and just ask. And they know, I'm sure, a lot more than I do about uh, community classes and things like that in other places in DeKalb County as well as other places in Clayton County. Okay. Uh, do you, have you heard of anything at Panthersville? By the GBI or in the college uh, on the back end of that? Not, not on that end of things. There used to be a nice place over on Rainbow Road that uh, unfortunately is not there anymore. But <clears throat> again, maybe call the DeKalb Parks and Rec people. They know a lot of places as well and ask if they have any gardening classes that would be appropriate for your girls there. DeKalb Parks and Rec might have some ideas as well. Thanks for calling, Aaron. I got to go. It's 628 News Talk WSB. Coming up in the next half hour, Mary wants to talk about her bittersweet vine. Richard, he'll be first in line to talk about pre-emergent from Bermuda. Mary with paper white bulbs. And Richard, again, wants to know about pruning his apple and peach trees and when to do it. We'll have all that and more right after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.35 on a Saturday morning, 50 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful. Whatever you're going to do in your garden, if you ask me, I can tell you how to be more successful. 
anything. Richard in Kennesaw, join us and ask me how I can help you be more successful. Whoops, wrong line. Let's try this one. Hey, Richard, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you? So how do you want to be more successful, Richard? Uh, I did the pre-emergent in, in September All right. um, and wondering what I need to do in the wintertime. Really, really look out for breakouts because I'm not sure that unless you watered it in, in which case you're a smart, smart fellow, if you didn't water it in, I'm afraid that the three or four weeks without any rain at my house would have kept the pre-emergent from activating. And if it doesn't activate and be dissolved in the soil, then uh, some of it got evaporated by the time it did rain in uh, November. Yeah, I heard I heard your show probably a week after I put it out. I think I, yeah. I watered the first right after I put it on with my irrigation system, but yeah, I don't. Man. I didn't water after that. So if you I did it right then, that out. first time, yeah. If you did the first time right after you put it on and irrigated it, you're in you're in God's glory. That's good. Okay. All right. Well, then maybe I'm okay. But still look around. I mean, there's possibility of little breakouts, but check out for the chickweed in particular, little green leaves about as big as the end of your little finger. Bright, bright green right now. Easy to easy to see. And if you see those, a real light over-the-top spray with one of the broadleaf weed killers like the Bayer season-long weed control or the uh, Bonide uh, Weed Beater Max, either one of those would do fine. But how about any kind of pre-emergent in, say, February? To yeah, we'll do it again eh, mid to late February is probably about right, and that'll prevent the summer weeds, the things like yeah. crabgrass and a little bit of Dallas grass, and some of those that sprout out when it gets warm in April. Okay. All right. All right. Perfect. All right. Thank you. Have Something a good week. to do. Be more successful. That's all you're trying to do. Mary is in Vinings, Georgia, and Mary joins us on Lawn and Garden. Mary, good morning. Hey, Walter. Hey. Um, about four years ago, you helped me with my pomegranate, which was at that point a bush, and now it's a, practically a tree. <laughs> it's done really well, but I thank you for that. And now yeah. I'm, I'm quite, I've got a question about bittersweet. Um, in October, I got online and ordered a bittersweet bush. I guess it's a bush, and forgot about it. it never came. And then last week, this this tube came and. Uh, lo and behold, there was a bittersweet uh, vine in there that's dormant. And I, they said, plant it in the ground immediately. Well, it came on one of the days when the, the ground was frozen, mm. and I, they just told me to soak it in water and yeah. leave it in a cold place. So it's been on my front porch in, wa- you know, like moist ever since. But I'm wondering, could I put it in a clay pot until I'm ready to put it somewhere in my yard, or do I need to plan right now and planted and if so what does bittersweet want it wants to be planted in the ground (laughs) okay i'm I'm reading the mind of the bittersweet now it's saying please please plant me in the ground get me out of this water here and don't put me in a pot because i would rather be in the ground where the soil temperatures are a little bit more what it wants i guess for the winter time but it doesn't have to be the perfect place the final end all place that you're going to place it because uh, I'm sure there's some place in the backyard that's sort of semi-sun, semi-shade that you can dig up a little place, oh, a foot square with your shovel, just dig it up and mash the soil real good so it's soft and plant that bittersweet right in the middle and let it stay there until you make your final decision about where you want it to be. Okay. Sounds like a plan. And then one last question. Wait, 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 wait. I've got one last question for you. (laughs) How much research did you do about bittersweet and its invasive or non-invasive qualities? Well, I grew up with it in Missouri, so um, I know it's invasive. (laughs) 
but I don't know what it's going to do in Georgia because I've never seen it in Georgia. And it's kind of like when I tried to do um, red currants in Georgia. They, they, <laughs> liked, said, they didn't like Georgia. But I, I just had to try. My mom used to grow it, and it was so beautiful in the house. And I thought, well... Mom, maybe I can get it to go down here. <laughs> I'm, I'm, my mind is slipping so much I can't remember the names, the scientific Latin names of the two bittersweets that you see in Georgia. The Asian one is pretty invasive, so look up on you go to Google and look up bittersweet and mm -hmm. see which is the American and which is the Oriental. If you have the Oriental kind, do your best to use every red berry on it every okay. season before it gets a chance to drop to the ground and get spread by birds and go everywhere because you'll regret it if you let it get out of your hand. Okay, I can do that. <laughs> it it looks pretty pitiful right now, so it's going to be a while before there's any berries on there. Yeah, but it's a tough plant. Generally speaking, it's a tough plant, and I think it'll be happy put in the ground, just a little soft place in the back corner of the yard, and then we'll see where you put it when you make your decision. Okay, great. And then eucalyptus, can it grow down here too? <sighs> There's a guy named who has a website called Hardy Ukes, E-U-C-S, Hardy Ukes. I believe that's the complete website name. And he is experimenting with every eucalyptus that he can find in New Zealand and South America and uh, Australia and has found some that he says can withstand the cold in the South wonderfully well. That does not usually include the silver dollar eucalyptus, the one with the little silver round leaves on it, which smell real good. Um, they last, it seems to me, about every five years we'll have cold enough winter that they all get frozen, all get frozen, and that's you know, weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth when that happens. So there are some, yes, that are cold tolerant. Southern ukes, I believe, or hardy ukes is the place to go and look up what Mr. Okay, Mr. I'm Mr. off Eucalyptus. to the computer then. Yeah. Okay, thank you, Walter. All right, Mary, thanks so much for calling. Bye. We've got a phone, num a phone number, a time of 641 on a Saturday morning. Marion is in Grantville and joins us. Hey, Marion, good morning. Good morning, uh, Walter. How are you? Uh, well, Brother Marion, how can I help? I uh, put some paper whites in a uh, used onion bag um, last year, yeah. and I forgot about them. I nailed them to the tree, and I forgot about wait, them. Wait, what? You, what? you nailed them to a tree? Yeah, you know, I on a you know I got a big oak tree about hundred years old, and I kind of just put it up there because it's in the shade. I know I'm <laughs> stupid, but <laughs> all right, but, go ahead, Marion. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> the other day I'm uh, perusing through the yard and I see the, the two bags and they're growing. How about that? How about it? So what do I do now? Do I uh, throw them in a gas chamber, or is there any way I can Part of me says leave them on the tree and call me in two months and tell me what happened. You're the only person I've ever talked to who nailed his bulbs to a tree, Marion. You know, by... a lot of people say I'm different. Yeah. <laughs> It's with it's with justification too, I think. Um, <laughs> what what do you think? Uh, can I save them? Or yeah, I think you they... can. If they've got green growth on them, by George, those buggers are going to bloom. Except on the tree, it's going to get cold. I guarantee before it's time for them to bloom, and they're just right. so you know exposed to the elements. No way that we're going to leave them on the tree unless you want to do one or two just for the fun of it. Uh, the rest of them, put them in the ground. Put them in the ground and make it so the neck of the paper white sticks up out of the ground about a half an inch, just a tiny little bit. And so put them in the ground and walk around there until they bloom and then smell them and say, there are my little paper whites are nailed to the tree. How about that? 
Well, I mean, okay, so I shouldn't cut off the green part. And, no, Because no. I, I don't want to blooming right now. Well, they're not going to bloom until they get the right signals from the weather, and it'll be the same in the ground as it would be on the tree. They'll just be more likely to be frozen on the tree. Well, somebody gave them some kind of signal. They're about two inches of green coming out of yeah, them. Yeah, but that's the preparation. Many bulbs will have foliage that comes up first, and the blooms come up after that. And it takes a while and sort of depends a lot on the weather and things. But I would think they would be blooming by uh -huh. January now. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm thinking about okay. the first week or two in February is when they'll bloom. About oh, that. that quick, huh? Yeah. Okay. Be about right. All right, you're breaking up there, Marion. Okay, bye. All right, man. We'll see you soon. <laughs> Marion. Nailing bulbs to a tree. Now that, that. Is new. Who does that? Richard, Richard Bubba in uh, Claremont, Georgia. Join us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Richard. Hey, good morning. How you doing? You ever nail bulbs to a tree, Richard? No, sir, I haven't. I haven't either. I'm tempted to <laughs> now. <laughs> I nail things to trees all the time. Never bulbs, but I might just try doing that. Mm -hmm. What's up, Rich, uh, Richard? I bought a small farm, and it's got an old apple and peach uh, few. It used to be an orchard, but it's got a few le left that still produce good. Yeah. Um, I was wondering when is the proper time to prune them. Right now, this afternoon, when it's warm, don't be like my daddy and wait till it's 10 degrees outside and prune then. No, uh-uh. We do it today or tomorrow, the next day when it's nice and warm outside. All right. And the, should I prune everything that's about like a hickory? Well, I mean, there's a hierarchy. I have a couple of minutes. I'll tell you the hierarchy of what you prune first and what you prune second and third. First thing, obviously, dead limbs. Go up and take those out, throw them on the ground away from the tree. Look up again. Any limb that is crossing through the middle of the tree that goes from one side of the tree across the middle to the other, take it out because it's not going to make any fruit. They're the ones that are shaded, and so they don't make any fruit on them. And then the third thing is any limbs that are rubbing on each other that uh, seem to be way too close or might be droopy on one side that hit you when you use the lawnmower under the tree or just trees that aren't behaving right, they come out. And once you've done a lot of that, many times that's the end of it, Richard. It's not anything technical about central leader, modified central leader, open form or anything like that. It's just taking the old limbs that don't produce anything, take them out, and a lot of times the apple is fine after that. Okay. All right. And when would be the best time to, what's the best time to spray them uh, 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 for the, uh, for bugs or worms? Or yeah. Anything? I'm not going to go through the whole when is and what is and what with and all that right now, but go to my website because I made a page just for you. It says um, spray guide for fruits. That's what it says. Spray guide for fruits at WalterReeves.com. And so if you go there and use the little search line, say spray guide, it'll take you to the page that tells you what to spray with, when. The peach is particularly important. Peaches got to be sprayed when they're blooming, Richard, because that is when they get that brown rot disease infecting them, and that's when you have to prevent it. It's when they bloom. Apples, it's almost as important to spray them during the time they're blooming to prevent fire blight disease on them. So you think about it, it'll be, before you know it, they'll be blooming. It'll be time to spray then. So get your equipment and material prepared. Okay. And one more question. Real quick. I'm, I missed my... Uh time because of the drought for uh, no-tilling my pasture with yeah. fescue or winter stuff yeah right now seems like it might be a, the weather might be allowing me a, a period here is it too late 
If it's not too big and you're not investing thousands of dollars in it, I'd say go for it. I'd say go for it. You got a gamble. It is a gamble, but you have a little window right now when the weather is warm, the soil's warmed up just a little bit, and that's what you need to get the fescue and the rye to germinate. So I think let's go for it and see what happens, Richard. Thank you very much, Walter. All right, man. Drive safely. All right, bud. We'll see you soon. Thank it's you. Six forty-eight at News Talk WSB. Back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Partly cloudy today, high of 72, low tonight of 50 degrees. Right now it's 50.1 degrees at Newstalk WSB. It's more of the same for Sunday. High of 70, low of 51 degrees tomorrow. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Don't forget, if you have a garden question, you can also, if you have a Twitter account, send me a tweet and just put the hashtag AskWalter. Ask Walter if you have a Twitter account, and we'll read it out during the show. Ashley will read it out during the show. We'll give you an answer. Mason is in Jasper, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Mason, hey, good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. Uh, yeah, I uh, my grandparents lived in the same, or grandmother lived in the same house probably for 60, 70 years, and I've tried my luck at some scuppernon vines, and none of them seem to be like this one. It's just very much work and labor and it yeah. always produces great and I'm just wondering how and would when is the best time to try to propagate it. The easiest time is this afternoon. Are you going to be there this afternoon? Uh, I will. Here's, later today. Yes. Here's what you do. Go find that scuppernon vine and find two or three of the youngest, longest, limberest <laughs> branches and um, you know, if you had a long branch that was 10 feet long, you could do it in three sections. You just stretch it across the ground. It has to be one of the low branches. Stretch it across the ground, and about every three feet, dig a little hole in the ground, take a little dull knife and scrape the bark off of it, and bury it in that hole in the ground about two inches down. Put a brick on top to hold it in place. Go down three more feet, scratch it, uh, dig a little hole in the ground, bury it, put a brick on top, and then uh, I guess the end won't need to be buried at all. But what will happen is over the summertime, it'll root at each one of those uh, scrape places that you buried in the ground. If you look next fall, there'll be little leaves coming out of them, and they can dig it up and clip it free from the mother plant. And you've got three little muscadine vines, scuppernong vines you can take and, and plant them in the fall, Mason. So that's what I would do. I would do what's called soil layering, clipping them up into, or not clipping them, but scratching them, burying them and then wait till next fall to transplant. That works just fine. Good luck with that. 658 at News Talk WSB. Tweet me at ask, hashtag AskWalter. We'll be back after news.